0: see you. So this is the uh, last week of the Blessed Life series, and uh, as we've done every week, I want to welcome the churches that are joining us right now. So can we welcome the churches, all the churches all over the country that are joining us right now for this series? And I want to ask you to turn to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. This is the um, funniest message in the series just so you know it's, you're going to have a good time in church today and that is allowed to laugh in church it's allowed uh so turn to luke chapter 9 uh, and let me just let you know a little bit as i go th- before i get in this the scripture uh i'm a i'm a math person I've, I've i've told you that before uh i think in numbers and uh people ask me like uh are you for this do you want to do this uh do you want to expand pastor robert in this way or debbie will ask me about uh maybe remodeling something so okay you uh, she knows this by now my team knows this by now um until you say a number i don't know if i'm for it or not i can be for it philosophically but i may not be for it because you might be thinking a completely different number than i'm thinking and i've even shared with debbie I can't hear the words that are coming out of your mouth until I hear a number. It's like listening, some of you, this might aid you, but it's like listening to Charlie Brown's parents. Uh, What I hear is, wah, 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 $4,000. I heard that. I heard $4,000. That's what I heard. And, and, and that's okay, I can, I can decide, how long will that take me to fulfill the what, what, what? But I, I have to have a number, okay. In the same way, the title of this message is The Principles of Multiplication. Multiplication is a mathematical term, like addition or subtraction or division. But multiplication is better than addition when it comes to our resources. And our God is a God of multiplication. He is a God who can multiply. So let me ask you a question, okay? And you can answer me out loud at all the campuses and all the other churches. Would it be all right with you if God multiplied your resources? Would that be all right? Okay, let me show you the two principles of multiplication from a very famous passage. Luke chapter nine, verse 12. It says, when the day began to wear away, the 12 came and said to him, should the, send the multitude away, that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions, for we are in a deserted place here. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, well, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about... 5,000 men. Now, let me stop just for a moment because many, many people believe that Jesus fed 5,000 people, but that is not the case. Though In Jewish culture at that time, the way they counted crowds is they only counted the men because they were counting families. So, when it says there were 5,000 men, if you include the, the spouses and the children and assuming that just, each family had just two children, which per capita at that time, it was four to five. But let's just say there were only two children. That'd be husband, wife, two children. That's four times 5,000. That's 20,000. This is a much larger miracle. Now, let me just, just so you know, the Bible backs this up. Stay in Luke 9. But the parallel passage of this scripture in Matthew 14, verse 21 says, now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women, and children. So you can refer to the feeding of the 5,000. That's fine. As long as you know in your mind, it's 5,000 families, not 5,000 people. So this, with five loaves and two fish, I would say that our God is a God of multiplication, okay? let Go back verse 14. There were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciple, make them sit down in groups of 50. I just want to comment here that Jesus is also a math person, And they did so and made them all sit down. And then he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled and 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. Now, again, because numbers jump out at me, I think, well, why why were there 12 baskets? And there are some uh, reasons theological because of the region they were in was called the region of 12 and things like that. Uh, but one reason could have been that uh, Jesus wanted each disciple to have a doggy bag. I mean, it could have been, it could have, it, I'm just saying, all right? <laughs> Twelve baskets left over, Right Now, here's what I like to do. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but I like to put myself in a Bible story. Have you ever done this? A- and imagine how would I have responded had I been there that day? So I want you to do that today. That's what we're gonna do today, all right? I want you to imagine you're one of the 12, all right? And you're on the Messiah search committee. And you've got a great candidate. He's healing the sick and raising the dead uh, and walking on water, which is like a bonus messianic sign. It was not prophesied in the Old Testament. Jesus like threw it in as a bonus. And uh, so, you, you, you have a, a high attendance weekend, okay? And so everyone sends out a mass email and you tweet about it and you have the largest crowd you've ever had. Most theologians believe this is the largest crowd that, uh, with whom Jesus ever spoke. Most theologians believe that. Uh, so all these people, 20, 25,000 people. I mean, it's phenomenal, all right? And so you have real good worship and let's say it's a Sunday morning service and then you turn it over to the guest Messiah to speak, and uh, he gets up, and at 12 noon, he should be, you know, wrapping up. That's, that's the, way the time of service should end if it begins at, you know, 10, 45, or 11, so it ought to be wrapping up about that time, but he keeps going. One o'clock, he's still going. Two o'clock, he's still going. I mean, if this is during football season, you've already missed the first game. <laughs> Three o'clock. Four o'clock five o'clock, six o'clock. Okay, listen, I am not exaggerating the text. Look look, look at verse 12. It says, when the day began to wear away. You know what that means in the Greek? In the Greek, that means when the day began to wear away. (laughs) So, this is just my holy imagination. I think the disciples formed a little committee. And I think they said, what are we going to (laughs) do? I mean, this is good, but this guy, he won't shut up. I mean, he's going, all day we've not had lunch break snack break anything and I'll tell you what if I don't eat soon I'm gonna die <laughs> I'm right here I'm going to die right here I promise I will die if I don't get something to eat soon and I think one of them probably said you know what that's it and they said what what what's it let's tell Jesus that the people are hungry <laughs> he seems to care a lot about the people He he doesn't seem to care much about us, but he does seem to care a lot about the people. So, now let's pretend that you get elected the spokesperson, all right? So, I want you to see this in your mind. Jesus is up there. He's speaking. He's teaching thousands of people, and you approach him while he's speaking. That is the inference from Scripture, is that he was still speaking when they went up to talk to him, all right? So, see it in your mind, all right? So, you say, uh, Lord, Lord, excuse me, excuse me, Lord. Excuse me! <laughs> uh, boy, this has been good today, I tell you, this is, this is really good, this series of messages that you're bringing all in one day. <laughs> um, but um, we, we, we were talking and, and, and we feel like that, that the people are getting hungry. Uh, now, I could go all night, I was just saying to the guys, I said, John, I could go all night. I tell you, this is so good. Um, but um, uh, we feel like the, the people are getting hungry and, and it's getting late and, and the restaurants are just about to close, Lord. And um, so we feel like that it would be better if, if you would just um, wrap it up. <laughs> and the Lord says, you're, you're, you're concerned about the people. Yes, Lord, it's, it's all about the people. And then, maybe you've never seen this, but I want you to pretend you're that disciple. Look, look, look what he says then in verse 13. So he said to them, well, then you give them something to eat. Excuse me. Yeah, you and your little group over there, you're concerned about the people. Why don't you give them something to eat? Okay. It, it didn't go like you planned, did it? But now you have to report back to the committee. See, that's the hard part, always reporting back to the committee. So you go back over and they say, well, did you tell them the people were hungry? Yes, I did. It. I, told, I, 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 I used those words exactly. I said, the people are hungry. So is he going to dismiss the service? Well, w- what did he say? He said for us to give them something to eat. <laughs> what? What did he say? He said for us to give them something to eat. What? Oh, look, this is a disaster. Just wait till the First Church of the Pharisees hears about this. Oh, oh, oh. oh. And then there's some little kid that snuck back into town and he's walking by and he's got a long John Silver sack. (laughs) And so, you know, they just kind of grabbed the sack and they opened it up. He got the two-piece meal with extra rolls. And you can imagine Peter, you know, Peter probably just grabbed one of the rolls and just, and they said, stop it, Peter, stop it. That's all we have, that's all we have. And then one of them said, that's it. They said, what's it? Let's tell Jesus, this is all we have. And he'll dismiss the service. Now, I want you to think, think with me just for a moment. Think about this. If you had never read this story in the Bible and you had 20,000 people and a two-piece meal, and you said, this is all we have. Don't you think he would have dismissed the service? Does it, that, doesn't that make sense? It Does it? Yes or no? Does that make sense? Listen to me. Tithing doesn't make sense. Doing it God's way doesn't make sense. But it works. So, you're, again, you're the spokesman and so, you know, you say, Lord, excuse me. Lord, just, just one with uh, this, um, You know, you know, a moment ago we were talking, and I was telling you how good this series is, you know, Lord. And um, you said for, uh, you know, us to, um, you know, uh, get the people something to eat and uh, we've been working on that. And, uh, but all we have, Lord, all we have, we have uh, uh, two fish and we have um, almost five rolls, Lord. Peter ate some <laughs> and um, But, uh, but that's all we have, Lord. So we're thinking we should just go with our original idea and just, you know, just. And the Lord said, okay, let me get this straight. You have, you have two pieces of fish and almost five rolls. I I know how Peter is. And and that, that's what you have, right? Yes, Lord. That's, that's, that's all we have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. Have them sit down in groups of 50, excuse me. Lord, I I don't think I was clear. Um, um, We we don't have a lot of these snack packs, Lord. Um, There was a kid walking by. Peter took it from him, Lord. I didn't take it from him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Have them sit down in groups 50. So now they're getting all these people to sit down in groups 50. Now, I'm gonna give you just a little bit of my personal opinion here. I think while they were getting them to sit down, I think one of them might have remembered a scripture from the Old Testament and gathered the guys together and, and said something like this, hey guys, I think I know what's gonna happen. Do you remember in 2 Kings 4, Elisha fed 100 men with 20 loaves of bread? It, the bread multiplied and they even had some left over. That, that That's in the Bible. And we have one greater than Elisha here. By the way, the, that, those 20 loaves of bread, it, it specifically tells us they were first fruits. In other words, God can multiply the tithe. So, he said, I, I bet, I'll bet you when he prays over it, it's gonna multiply right there in front of us. And that is actually what many Christians believe happened. That when Jesus prayed, it just multiplied. But that's not what happened. Now, here, here, here's what I, I can see happening. Peter probably just grabbed one, because I just kinda like Peter, he's kind of the forceful one, you know? He probably grabbed one and said, here, here, here Lord, pray over mine first. Here, pray over mine first. Here Lord, pray over mine first. Watch, watch, watch what happens when he prays over. Just watch, just watch. Pray over mine first. But look, look, look at what verse 16 says. He blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. Okay, so here's Peter saying, here, here Lord, here, bless mine. And so Jesus takes this piece of bread from Peter, lifts it, lifts it up to heaven and says, Father, bless it. Breaks it and hands half of it back to Peter. Uh, Are you through praying? (laughs) Yes, Peter. It's blessed. Now go give it away. And you just watch what happens because the master's blessed it. You want to pray some more? (laughs) No, Peter. Now, I know the text doesn't say this, but the principle, think about the principle. Think about this. Jesus blessed it. Here's what he's thinking. Peter, you don't understand. Once you bring it to me first and I bless it, you watch what happens because I've blessed it. Personally, though, I think Peter walked up to the first person and said something like this. Take just a little piece. <laughs> what would you have said? Take a little piece, a little piece. He's going down the road, you know. Take a little piece, take a little piece. I said a little piece. You pig, what is wrong with you? You can't follow instructions or something? So you take, take a little piece. He gets down to the last guy. There's a crumb in his hands. Sweat from his brow down on his cheek. A little drop of sweat there. And right before the guy reaches to grab it, this crumb grows in Peter's hands. And Peter says, you can have more. (laughs) Listen, the miracle did not happen in the master's hands. It happened in the disciples' hands. Once they gave the first to Jesus and he blessed it, and then they gave over and above away. So, two principles of multiplication, all right? They're real simple. Here's number one. It has to be blessed before it can multiply. It has to be blessed before it can multiply. And we've learned from this series the way our finances are blessed We've we've seen this over and over again, is we bring the first 10% to the house of God. Even Hebrews backs it up, New Testament, that Jesus himself receives and blesses our finances. So you have to give the first. See, I know some people who give a little here and give a little there, but they don't bring the first 10% to the house of God. Listen to me, their finances are not blessed and they will never multiply because only Jesus can bless them. Think think about this, what if the disciples had given away, given out the two fish and the five loaves before Jesus blessed it? I'm going to say that again because that's extremely important. What if they had just started giving it away and Jesus had not blessed it? Would it ever have multiplied? No, it's a blessing. It's the same way when you give a little here and a little there, but you don't bring the first 10% to the house of God. It does not have the blessing of Jesus on it. There's a couple in our church that, when I shared this series one time, uh, they had been giving 10%, but they've been giving 5% to Gateway and 5% to uh, a missions organization. And when I shared about the tithe, all the, we we do believe in giving to missions organizations, but that's over and above the tithe. The tithe comes to the local church where you are. And so they they said we had the check written, we tore it up, and made the check out for the full 10% to the church. And here's what they said: that was on a Sunday. On a Monday, we had been waiting for a bonus that we were supposed to receive, been told we would receive it. We'd been waiting for months for this bonus. And on Monday, it was in the mail, and they wrote a letter that said, we are so, we feel so badly that this took so long for you to get this that we actually added some to it. And the amount that they added was the exact amount that they added the day before on their check you will never convince me that was a coincidence that's it's God saying do it my way so it has to be blessed before it can multiply here's principle number two it has to be given away before it can multiply it has to be given away before it can multiply so the first principle refers to to tithing bringing the first 10 percent to the local church and Jesus blesses it but once he's blessed it now you can give over and above you, you can give an, an extra offering or, or to, for, for in our case, we call it heart for the kingdom. You can give offerings over and above to missions organizations, to things like this. Okay. But it has to be given away. Think about this. What if the disciples, after Jesus had blessed it, what if the disciples had eaten it? It never would have multiplied. Two, the, two fish, five rolls, what if Jesus blessed it and then they just ate it? It never would have multiplied. There are a lot of people— who will tithe, but they don't give anything above. It, and here's the the sad thing, it has the potential to multiply, but they just keep eating it. Okay, so let me tell you how this worked out in in my own life and in Debbie's life. Uh, I got saved nine months after Debbie and I were married. And I heard, a few months later, I heard my first message on tithing, and immediately we tithe, and God began to bless us. Uh, I went to Bible college, and then I was a traveling evangelist. So I did not work at any church. I didn't receive any salary from a church. At that time, I only received offerings or honorariums when I would travel and speak. And so while I'm doing that for a living and um, the, the Lord spoke to me one day in my quiet time and he said, I want you to get your finances in order so I can bless them. Now I want you to think about that. That's a very important impression that I received from the Lord. I want you to get your finances in order so I can bless them. God cannot bless things out of order. And we have a stewardship department that can help you get your finances in order. So I said, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? Back then, I didn't know what to do. And he told me three things. So I'm gonna tell you the three things he told me. He said, number one, get out of debt. Now, this means different things to different people. Different people have different convictions, okay? For us, we could still have a mortgage uh but we were not to borrow for depreciating items only appreciating items like a mortgage on a home so we have a mortgage to this day and we have had a mortgage but we put it on a 15-year note we do our best to pay it off each okay so I just want you to know because when I say that I don't want you to I want you to let the Lord apply it to you how he applies it to you okay so number one he said get out of debt so for us the first thing that we need to do we had this car that was too big for us the payment was too big and so we sold that car and we bought a car for cash, $750. That was all we could afford. So we bought a car for $750, but I, you gotta hear me. We actually loved that car. I mean, we loved it because we were getting our finances in order. We loved that car. We prayed over it. Uh, we anointed it with oil huh, about a quarter week. And, um, <laughs> and we drove that car. Okay, second thing the Lord said to me was don't manipulate. Don't manipulate. Now I was in ministry, but a whole, whole bunch of people manipulate for money. And God never blesses manipulation. Manipulation comes from a root word that means witchcraft. So you, you cannot manipulate, you can't drop hints and expect God to provide for you. And so for me, I said, well, Lord, how does that work out? He said, well, when someone asks you to come speak, they say, what are your financial requirements for coming? And you say, pay our expenses and give us an offering. And some of my friends would actually say, pay, us our, pay our expenses, give, me, give us an offering, and the offering has to be a minimum of. I never even said that. I just said, whatever, just pay our expenses and give us an offering. Here's what the Lord said to me. He said, from now on, you say, I have no financial requirements for coming. By the way, this was about 30 years ago and I still do that to this day. I have no financial requirements for coming. And the Lord said to me, I wanna teach you who your provider is that it's not how you arrange things, it's me. Now, again, other people, you can do things differently. Don't put this on, on you. Let the Lord speak to you what he wants you. So this guy calls me, I will never forget, first guy calls and says, uh, Robert, can you come and speak? I said, yes, we worked out a date. He said, what are your financial requirements for coming? I said, I have no financial requirements for coming. And I remember he said, well, that's good because I don't even think we can pay your gas now he didn't say pay your expenses he said pay your gas let me tell you why that's important we get in that 750 dollars car we start driving it was to Oklahoma we start driving to Oklahoma I stopped to fill the car up with gas I went in to pay for it and the lady said to me it's taken care of I said what do you mean it's taken care of she said because when you pulled in God told me that I was to fill your car up with gas and I went out and I got in the car and I said Lord I sure like doing it better your way than my way and here's the third thing the Lord said to me, give. So he said, get out of debt, don't manipulate, give. Now, I have to tell you what happened. Uh, I, I said to the Lord, uh, I said, Lord, um, I do give, I tithe. Now, I, please don't get offended by this. This is just the, what I, the impression that I got in my spirit when I said that. I said, Lord, um, I do give, I tithe. I felt like the Lord went, ha, <laughs> I mean, that really, I I mean, I kind of felt like it was like, (laughs) idiot, you know, and that's what I felt. (laughs) I'm like, what do do you mean? Lord, I do. I give 10%. He said, you don't give 10%. You return 10%. He said, the 10% is mine. And when you read the language in the Bible, if you don't return it, then you've stolen it. That's the language. I can show it to you in uh, uh, Joshua and in Malachi, robbed and stolen. Those are the two words God uses. He used it, So I said, well, Lord, what do you mean give? He said, I mean give over and above the tithe. That's when you give. And I asked him three very important questions. I said, well, Lord, how will I know when to give? How will I know where to give? And how will I know how much to give? Aren't those important questions? Listen to his very simple answer. Here's what he said. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. My people hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. And so I said, okay, Lord. So at, not long after that, I go to speak at a church. Now you have to remember, the only salary that Deb and I received was when I would go to speak at the church and if they would give us an offering. And I said, you don't have to give us anything. So I go to speak for this church and it's the only speaking engagement I have for the whole month. I only have one engagement that whole month, all right? And it's at a church with about 60 people in attendance. And I go and I speak at that church and I said, I have no requirements coming. The pastor gets up afterwards. He tells the whole church that. He said, he has, he has no financial requirements coming. I want us to give an offering. And I want us to give a, a good offering. So they count it. And then they bring a check to the pastor. And we're standing like right here at the front. And the pastor brings me this check. And he says, look at this. Look at this. And he said, we've never given this much. And he was so excited to be able to do that. And I looked down at the amount. And the amount was, a, was the exact amount of our monthly budget. Exactly. And it had dollars and cents on it and you have to remember at that time we also had an office and we had an an employee a person that helped me to set up meetings because some of the meetings i did were large meetings and were gathered churches together and things like that and so i looked down and i remember thinking this is my only meeting for the whole month you told me not to ask for anything and god you are so faithful and while i'm looking at that check and thinking how faithful god is i kind of glance up and i look over the shoulder of this pastor that's talking to me and I see at the back of the church a missionary that had just spoken right before I spoke shared a report and this voice said to me, give him the offering. And I remember exactly what I thought. I rebuke you, Satan. <laughs> that's, that's not God, that's not God. Get behind me, Satan, get behind me, Satan. That is not God. I remember, this. it's funny, I know, but I remember even saying, that's not you, that's not you. I know you, that's not you, you would not do that, God. And the lord said give him the offering the whole offering give him the offering and i remember saying to the lord again you just have to know that i talk to the lord funny and he talks to me funny i remember i said to the lord lord you're not thinking clearly <laughs> uh, this is the exact amount of our budget we have no other meetings this month you know i i preached a good message and you got all pumped up and you want to give to a missionary now lord of it but this is this is you provided this for us and the lord said give him the offering give him the offering and then I remember the Lord said to me, I told you that I would tell you when to give and where to give and how much to give. And I'm telling you to give right now to that missionary the whole amount. And so the sanctuary was clearing out by now and I endorsed the check when no one was looking, folded it in half and I went to the missionary and said, I'm going to give you something but don't look at it until after you leave because it was a very large amount. And I said, and um, don't ever tell anyone I did this because I didn't want to manipulate in any way. I, I have, I believe now I'm supposed to share these testimonies to help other people. But back then I didn't share any of these things that I was doing. So I gave him this offering and uh, he, he you know, said, thank you. And then Debbie and I walked outside and there were some couples standing in the parking lot. And one of the couples said, hey, we're gonna go get some pizza, do y'all wanna go? And we said, yeah, you know, because we're, broke you know and so yeah sure oh yeah sure we love going to pizza so we go eat pizza with them and there are six couples total so Debbie and I and five other couples the six guys sat on if you see this in your mind sat on one end of the table the six girls sat on the other end of the table Debbie's all the way at the end on that end I'm at this end all right these four guys started talking about something they got in some conversation about football or something you know and then this guy across from me that I had met one time before, just once. I just met him one time. He just leans across the table like this, you know? And so I kind of leaned across. I don't know what he's gonna say. And he said to me, how much was the love offering? Just like that. And again, because I'm a numbers person, I knew exactly what it was. And so I told him the number. And remember, it was an offering, not an honorarium. An honorarium is with zeros. It's a round amount, like 250 or $500 or something like that. This was an offering that had, you know, dollars and cents on it. So I told him how much it was. And then this guy says to me, where's the check? <laughs> like that. And, and I know you're supposed to tell the truth, but I got kind of flustered. I didn't know what to say and I didn't know why this guy was questioning me. And so I just heard myself say, Debbie has it. And so he says to me, go get it. I want to see it. So I said, okay. (laughs) So I get up and I walk down where Debbie is and I lean down to her and I said, how's your pizza? Is it good? Okay, good. There's nothing else to say. There's no check. And so I go back and again, I know you're supposed to tell the truth, but I don't know, why is this guy asking me? this why is he questioning me? And I didn't want to say, in my heart, I didn't want to brag. I didn't wanna say, we gave it to a missionary and it's the only meeting we have this month. And I didn't wanna say that. And so I just heard myself again. I said, it's in the car. (laughs) And he said, it's not in the car. So I said, where is it? I mean, you know so much, pal. I just, I just, I started getting frustrated. Why is this guy grilling me like this? What is, what's going on here? And this guy said to me, who, by the way, is now a member of our church and has verified this, this testimony. This guy said to me, you gave it away, didn't you? I said, yes. I said, how do you know that? I'd only met him one time before. I said, how do you know that? He said, because God told me. And he reached in his pocket and he pulled out a check that he had written before he came to the service that night. And I found out later, which I didn't even know, he didn't even attend that church. He just heard I was speaking and God told him, go give him this check. So he writes a check out before he comes. He holds this check out that's made out to our ministry and he holds it up like this. Now listen to me, before God in heaven, and this man has verified this, it was exactly ten times the amount of the check that I had just gotten right down to the penny. Exactly. He said, here. And he's holding the top of it, and I reached out and I took the bottom of it, but he wouldn't let it go. <laughs> and I, I, I realized he, wa- he wants to tell me something. He wants to say something. I now know he wanted to impart something. You do know there's a gift of giving in the body of Christ. There's a gift of giving. That's a spiritual gift. So I'm holding the bottom He's holding the top. He looked right across the top of the check, right into my eyes, and he said, God's about to teach you about giving so you can teach the body of Christ, and he let the check go. Here's what came into my mind when he let that check go, I, here's what I thought. This is God's money. This is not my money. This is God's money. All of it from now on is God's money. By God's grace, I have had that thought with every check that I've received since then. And we've been very blessed financially because for some reason people buy the books that I write and so we've been very, very blessed. I still don't know why, but we've been very blessed. We've been able to give a whole lot to the kingdom of God. But I thought this is God's money. Do you know the first thing we did? We bought a single mother a car and we still had the $750 car. We started paying people salaries that were out of work. We started giving 70% of our income to the Lord we just started giving and we never told anyone and and f- money started coming in from everywhere and we just kept funneling it through to people i remember a, a few years later we uh, uh had a van that we traveled in as a green van and uh i remember the lord told me to actually to sell it and we traveled all the time at that time my son who's who's uh, my oldest son josh some of you know him um when he was three years old we were somewhere speaking and someone actually said to him where do you live? He said, in the van. So, um, so the Lord told me to sell the van for $12,000. I sold it. We went to the mission field right after that. And this missionary, uh, drove this old rickety van. And I said, why don't you get you a new van? He said, I'm about to. He said, God showed me last week a van that we're going to buy. I said, how much is it? Anyone want to take a guess? $12,000. And we bought that van. I, we've been living this way for years. Giving and giving and giving extravagantly. And, and it, it's verified the elders of the church know it. Steve knows it. Steve is telling me I'm one of the highest givers in the church. That's not because of my salary, it's because of the outside income that the Lord's blessed me with. And I'm grateful for that. But let me wrap this up. Let me tell you what happened. A few years after this, I was having my quiet time and the Lord just spoke to me one day. I was reading in Philippians about Jesus gave up everything. And the Lord said to me, would you give me everything? And when he said it, I knew what he meant. He he meant everything in my personal checking account, everything in our mine, everything in our personal savings, everything in our ministry account and everything in our ministry savings, which would be like a business account. That was where where our income came from. Everything in our retirement. At that time, we had two cars both cars and our house. And the way we, we did that, by the way, because we gave it to a pastor that had five children and the church said the best way for you to do it would be to, for the church to buy the house as a parsonage and then you give the proceeds back to the church. And so that was what we did. And there's the man who did that, who oversaw that transaction is also a member of our church now and can verify that we gave that to the church. So, and that was not Gateway, that was the church I was a member of a long time ago so anyway we gave everything away so the next morning I'm thinking about it and I'm because I'm a math person I'm adding it up in my mind all these accounts you know the the cars the house I'm adding it up and the Lord said to me what are you doing I said nothing (laughs) he said no what what are you doing I said well I don't want to tell you what I'm doing and you know if you're thinking something but you don't tell him what you're thinking he doesn't know He knows, just so you know, he knows. So I said, well, Lord, I said, I'm not having a real spiritual thought right now, so I don't want to tell you. He said, tell me what you're thinking. I said, well, you know that old saying, you can't outgive God. He said, yeah, I've heard that. I said, "Um, well, I I said, I don't mean this wrong, but I think I did. (laughs) And when you add up everything that I gave, I said, this time, I think I've got you. I have no reason why I said that word. I said, I I think I've got you like that. And the Lord said to me, you think you've got me? And when he said that, the phone rang. And I picked up the phone. By the way, the man on the other end of the phone is a member of our church now and has verified this story also. I picked up the phone and I said, hello? And this guy said, Robert, God told me to help you with your transportation. And I thought, he's gonna buy us a car. But even if he buys us a car, um, we just gave away both cars. By the way, at that time, we'd given away nine cars. We've given away a lot more cars since then. And by the way, let me just uh, brag on the Lord through you. Last year, you, Gateway Church, gave over 100 cars to people. So, it, it's contagious, the spirit of giving. And so, anyway, I, I was like, well, even if he buys a car, Lord, I've still got you. Because gave away all our retirement and house and I, saw, I still got you. But thank you for the car, you know. And uh, so I said, well, what did the Lord tell you to do? That's what the guy said. He told me to buy you an airplane. And he said, I'm gonna pay for the maintenance and the hangar, and the insurance and the fuel. And I've hired a pilot and I'm gonna pay his salary. Here's his name and number. And you just call him and tell him where you wanna go and when you wanna go. And the Lord said to me, gotcha. (laughs) Gotcha. Now, now, now listen to me. This is not a message give and you get an airplane okay (laughs) by the way I want to clarify he gave the use of the airplane to us and we gave the use of it back to him about a year later and I we don't have an airplane today I don't own an airplane the church doesn't own an airplane so this is not about an airplane because that is not the best part of the testimony here's the best part of the testimony a while after that I was reading and I was reading the most famous story about Solomon and you know this story What's the most famous story about Solomon? The most famous story about Solomon is that God said to Solomon, ask anything you want and I'll give it to you. Can you imagine God saying that to you? Can you imagine that? So I'm reading that and I thought it said at night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and said, ask anything you want. So I thought and the Lord leads us when we're reading the Bible. I thought, I wonder what happened that day? What happened that day was he was inaugurated the king of Israel and it was tradition for the king to sacrifice one bull when he was inaugurated. Do you know how many Solomon sacrificed? One thousand bulls. One thousand. That's pretty extravagant. And I remember the Lord said to me that day, I only say to extravagant givers, ask anything you want. He said, I would never say that to a selfish person because I couldn't trust them, but I can trust givers. Now, I'm not even thinking about that Debbie and I had given away everything we had, but right then when the Lord said that to me, he said to me, ask. Ask anything you want, and I knew exactly what I wanted. I've been very honest with you, and you know this, I have an immoral past. I was immoral after Debbie and I were married, and I thought when she finds out, it's going to end our marriage, so I knew exactly what I wanted. I said, God, I want for Debbie and I to be passionately in love for the rest of our lives. And this May, we celebrate 35 years of marriage. That's better than an airplane. That's better than an airplane.